Well, welcome. It is Wednesday night. It is time for our Bible study, 1 Corinthians. Got my trusty pen here, and I'm going to dive right into it. So let's go to the iPad, and let's, let's get into this word. So we're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Uh, we did the first part of chapter 6 last week, and today we're going to cover verses 12. We're going to focus on 12 through 20. I don't know that we'll get all the way through this, but that's where our focus is going to be at least this week and, and maybe even next week. But So let's, as we always do, let's go to the Lord in prayer because we certainly want the Holy Spirit to guide us as we as we seek the riches of his word. So if you'll just join me in a word of prayer um, right now. Father God, we thank you. Lord, we always thank you. You are gracious and good and wonderful and merciful and kind and loving. And Lord, we just ask you right now as we look to your word for wisdom and for instruction and for reproof and for doctrine, Lord, that you open our eyes to see the truth that you have in it. Open our eyes to the treasure that rests in it, that is buried in it. And God, give us the tools, give us the grace and the mercy to unearth that treasure, Lord, so that we can be like the man who, who found the precious pearl in a field and sold everything he had to buy the field so he could have that pearl. Father, your word is precious, and we just we thank you for it, and we ask that you just move over us with it, wash us, bathe us in it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, guys, let's, let's read the, the passage as, as usual so that we can have an idea of the context. Now, if you recall, in verses 1 through 11, uh, last week there was this long discussion about, um, about legal matters and suing your brother and bringing your brother to the courts outside the church and basically, Paul was telling them how ashamed he was of them, that this was even an issue, that they had to even address this, because he kept saying, do you not already know? Do you not know? Or do you not know? Do you not know? And he said that at least three times in the, in the last passage. And in this passage, we're going to see he says that three more times. And that, that expression means you should already know. Don't you already know this? Um, so Paul is, I mean, again, Corinthians, he's writing a letter to correct some behavior, correct some understandings in the church. And, and we're just coming off of that discussion about suing your brother, suing your Christian brother outside of the church, rather than handling your disputes inside the church, rather than just not even worrying about being right or being um, avenged or having your rights trampled on. But instead, he said, would you not rather take the offense? Would you not rather, you know, take the the wrongful behavior um, for the sake of your brother and for the glory of God? So, I mean, this, this is where that's come from. This is where we're leading into uh, verse, verse 12. And even that is on the heels of chapter 5, where he's addressing all that that immorality going on with the the uh, son and his um, his mother-in-law, so you know a lot of a lot of immorality going on, and so Paul now we get to this passage, which is you know he he tells them to flee from sexual immorality, and he makes a case about the body and why it is a, a sacred and and why uh, we should abstain from these kind, not just abstain but run from them, put them away from us, far away from us. So let's get into it. Uh, here we go. Verse 12. 
Paul says, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach, and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know, there's that phrase again, that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that the body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Okay. Boy, there's a lot there, an awful lot there. So let's go back to verse 12, and let's, let's step through this like we normally do. And let's just kind of break some things down and look at some things. First of all, he says, all things are lawful for me. Now, notice, notice here he's quoting. These quotations, all things are lawful for me. That, that's a quoted statement, but not what he says next, but not all things are helpful. Then you get here again, all things are lawful for me, but not but I will not be dominated by anything. So Paul is specifically addressing Christian liberty. Christian liberty. Now remember, Christ fulfilled the law, and there's been some discussion about whether or not we have to keep the law as far as what we eat and what we drink. And you know, Paul said all things are are lawful. We have liberty in the law, but I will not exercise my liberty if it's going to cause my brother to stumble. So people were going around saying this kind of thing, this all things are lawful for me, and they were bragging about that and making it sound like they could do whatever they wanted to do because there was no no restriction. They had liberty, and well, all things are lawful for me. They're just having a heyday with all kinds of Apparently, all kinds of debauchery, you know, specifically what Paul's addressing here, sexual immorality um, in, the, in the following verses. But right here, verse 13, he gets to the point of this, all things are lawful for me, um, you know, because the specific situation was the food laws that the Jews had to follow. You know, you can't eat shrimp, you can't eat things with a cloven hoof. Uh, that kinds of thing. And and then Peter had his vision, and uh, God said, well, whatever I declare clean is clean. And, and so there's freedom now in, in the food laws, what they can eat. Christ fulfilled all that law, so we're not held under those kinds of restrictions anymore. So Paul specifically addresses those. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. Notice that's a quote there too. Food isn't, so people are using that statement Food is meant for the stomach, and the stomach is meant for food. I can eat it. Look at all this freedom I have. I don't have to worry about eating a shrimp. I don't have to worry about eating, you know, these you know, pigs or whatever that was formerly restricted. 
I can eat whatever because I have freedom. Food is meant for the stomach, and if it's food, I can put it in me because food does not justify me or make me, uh, or, or, or make me sinful. But notice all these things that come. Paul, so Paul's using their statements that they have, they, that these things that they're bragging about. He's using these statements to make a point. So he says, yeah, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. Lawful does not equal helpful. All things are lawful. But not, I will not be dominated by anything. That's a big important one right there. Dominated by anything. By what thing? All these lawful things. So they're lawful. They're, they're okay. It's not sinful. It's lawful. It's not going to condemn me. It's lawful. It's okay. But it's not okay if it dominates me. I'm not going to be dominated by any of these lawful things. Well, what does he mean by dominated? Let's, you know, if you look that definition up, it is a, it is a forceful rule. A master. So Paul says, I am not going to be mastered, forcefully ruled by any of these lawful things that otherwise are good. So what kinds of things can we be dominated by? You know, and, and in this particular time that we're going through, where there's a lot of uncertainty, um, I think, you know, there's so many preachers online are preaching the a singular message, faith over fear. I don't know if you, you do a lot of uh, looking around at, at uh, sermons online or whatnot. I do. I like to know that I'm, I'm you know, not in, out in the left field, and I like to see what other guys are, are preaching, how other churches are handling the situation and that kind of stuff. I just want to make sure that we're doing things the right way. But one, one common theme that I see being preached over and over again all across the country is is this message of faith over fear. And that's that's a good message. But you know, you, you can never really be without, without fear when you need faith. Faith comes when you you can't control. So by by its definition, there is an element of fear, even in times, especially in times when you have to have faith. The question is which one is is are you following? Which one is mastering you? Are you being mastered by fear? Or are you being mastered by, by faith? Fear would be an unwelcome master. Faith would be a, a welcome master. But I don't even know, think it's talking in Paul is referring to the unwelcome masters here when he talks about being dominated. I know that dominated has a connotation of a forceful rule, you know, something that maybe we didn't accept on ourselves. But these are lawful things, and these are things that they were bragging about, so I really think that Paul is talking about being dominated by, maybe it's something that we had succumbed to, things that, that we actually enjoy, but that have become rulers over us. We've, we've given away freedom to them without even realizing it. You know, just like what uh, Michaela talked about uh, on Sunday with idleness, you know, our, our downtime 
can be, we can welcome downtime. We can, there's nothing wrong with downtime. That is completely lawful to have downtime. It is scriptural for you to have a Sabbath rest. That, so downtime is in the Bible. But downtime can lead to laziness. It can lead, it can become a dominating factor in your life. So it's lawful, but we're not going to be dominated by it. I think about traveling um, as something that can potentially be dom- It's dominating. It is legal. There's nothing wrong with traveling. God created this wonderful world, and, and I, I want to see as much of it as I can. I love nature, and I love the beauty of his creation. But if, if all I want to do is travel, and if, I'm con- if my mind is consistently turned on getting out and getting away, then what I've done is I've, I've, I've given myself, I've uprooted myself. I have no roots, and I've built seeds of discontent. I'm sowing seeds of discontent, and that certainly can be dominating. That can be an unwelcome master. And of course, you know, then Paul talks about, here later, he talks about, you know, uh, lustful desires, sexual immorality, sexual desires. You know, fine in marriage is a good thing, but even in that context, it can become a master. Even in the lawful context, um, that can become a, a dominating, unwelcome master. So Paul says, for food, verse 13 Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. Again, they're, they're, he's, he's addressing the arguments about all things are lawful for me. I can do anything I want to do because of this grace thing. And let me tell you something. Paul is all about grace, but he's not about cheap grace. And that's what they're doing. They're turning this, this right here, all of this into cheap grace. And Paul said, Grace, you we're going to see later. Look down here. You were bought with a price. And what a great, we're not even going to get there today, I don't think. But just consider that when we look up here about all things being lawful for me, what was it that purchased that right? What was it that bought that for me? That I, that I could say all things are lawful. This isn't a cheap grace. This is a very expensive, extravagant grace that we live under. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach. Sure, food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. But God is the one who's going to destroy both. So you're, you're worried about feeding your bellies. And he even talks about in, in other passages how, you know, they, they've exchanged um, the glory of God for images. Their God is their bellies. Food is meant for the stomach. This is what they're saying. So they're, they're, they're acting the same way as those others in that they're worshiping their belly. And, and Paul has to come back and say, guys, look, this is, this is an error. It's wonderful that we have this freedom, but we cannot, we cannot abuse it. We can't forget the God who gave us this freedom. This is judgment here. You destroy both one and the other. Remember when Jesus said, don't be afraid of the one who can destroy the body, but be afraid of the one who can destroy the soul in hell. That's what he's, this is what he means here. Look, you, you're, you're relishing in all these things, this wonderful freedom that we have, and that's good. 
we, we should be joyful about that. But it's not a cheap grace. And there's a holiness. And we serve a holy God. And all of this flesh stuff, this flesh is going to one day burn. So you better get your sight set on this holy God. That's why he says all things are lawful. Yes, but not all things are, are helpful. Not all things help my walk with the Lord. Just like the things we talked about earlier with traveling or, uh, you know, downtime. Food, you know, food can be, it's, food is wonderful. And Paul specifically addresses that. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. Food is wonderful. I love a good meal. But did you know that food can be an unwelcome master? Food can be a dominating influence in my life. I can be driven by food that leads to gluttony and, and overindulgence. All things which are, are completely against how a Christian should be behaving. God will destroy both one and the other. And then he gets to the crux, the body. So food is meant for the stomach, stomach meant for the food. And so here's the thing. They're using this logic in this statement. Because food is meant for the stomach and stomach is meant for food, we have freedom in what we eat. Now, Paul's addressing now in this next statement some pretty sensitive material. And in this wise, I'm kind of glad that we're not sitting face to face because I would probably be blushing about this. But so here we go. The body is not meant for sexual immorality. So just because you say that food, what is meant for the stomach can be put into the stomach, that's food is meant for the stomach and the stomach is meant for food, that does not translate to the body is meant for sex and sex is meant for the body. That's what he's saying here. And that's what was going on in the church. Well, we were meant to have sex with just, we were meant to enjoy pleasure and to pleasure ourselves however we can find pleasure. Our bodies crave pleasure, so we should seek pleasure. And pleasure was meant for the body. And Paul is directly confronting that and saying, just because you find that logic here, it does not apply here to the body. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but it is meant for the Lord. And the Lord was meant for the body. Now, this is interesting. When he says the Lord and the Lord, he's talking about Jesus. The body is not meant for sexual immorality. It is meant for the Lord Jesus and the Lord Jesus for the body. And here's how I know this, because look at verse 14. He says, and God raised the Lord. So we have two different operators here. We have God, and we have Lord. Two different operators. Whom did, who was raised? Christ. Christ was the one that was raised. So we were meant for Christ, that's Jesus, and Jesus was meant for the body. First John chapter 1, verse 14. The Word became flesh. Jesus, and the, the, the Bible says that it was ordained from the foundation of the world. 
that this would all happen, that Jesus would become flesh. Jesus was meant for the body. Christ the Son, it was always going to be that he was to come in flesh. And this flesh that was created all of creation, the body, this flesh, was meant for Christ. We are created for him, and he is our kin. That's why he is called the kinsman redeemer. We have someone who is like us standing before the throne of God. And that is a great and a holy mystery. But Paul doesn't stop there. God raised the Lord and will also raise us by his power. Not our own, but his. God raised Christ and will also raise us. This is our hope. We talked about this two weeks ago. Our hope has not changed. Our hope is in Christ. Our hope is in a, a secure future. Our hope has not changed. We will be raised. All glory to God. So here, in, in these first couple of verses, Paul has just obliterated the logic of what I'm going to call the carnal Christians that were at the church at Corinth. They, they either just didn't understand or they were too, too, too much in love with the things of the world. And so they were holding on to them and they were finding loopholes. They were finding reasons to, to do the things that were, that were ungodly, reasons to, to hold on to the world all these logical fallacies that they were giving and these reasons. And so Paul, in these first couple of verses, he just obliterates their logic and he says, just because you find freedom here does not mean that this is cheap freedom. Christ has, has purchased us. You were made for the Lord. And Jesus he came for you to, to rescue you, to save you. That's all of humanity. That's the body our, as our kinsman redeemer so that we can be raised up by his power. What a blessed hope we have. And this is a high calling. This, this is a high calling. Look at that, raise up. Not lowered down, but raised up. He's talking about raised into new life, the resurrection of the dead, but he's also talking about raising in, in our, our normal, our, our mortal life, raised to a new standard, to a higher calling. He will raise us up by his power, by the Spirit. That's how we do, that's how we, Put aside these things that are are maybe that may be lawful, but they become dominating forces is by the power of his spirit. So we will continue next week with the rest of this. I knew I wasn't going to get through all of this today. Um, so we will continue next week with the rest of this. Yeah, that would take just probably another half hour to go over what's left in that passage. So 
Um, let me pray for you and we will dismiss this evening. I'm so glad you guys could join us. Uh, again, I can't wait to see you again. So um, just keep us in your prayers as we are keeping you in our prayers. If you need anything at all, please don't hesitate to let the church know. Contact us through you know, social media platforms. Send me a text message. Um, I love you guys. Um, so let's just uh, hold one another up and bear one another up in prayer. Jesus, we just come to you right now, Lord. We just thank you so much for all that you do for us. And I thank you for your holy word. I pray that as we step through this, Lord, that, that your wisdom reigns and that you show us truth that we receive it and it is life transforming and life altering because it is it is wonderful gospel. And Lord, we just thank you for it. I ask that you be with all those who are who are out and about, Lord, be with all of our congregation, Father. Bless them, protect them, keep them safe. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Love you guys. <laughs>